Red Cloaks Radio is a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio. Joining me today as co-host is... Martha from Boston Red Cloaks. We are delighted to have back our guest, Catherine Johnson. Hello, Catherine. Hello, thanks for having me back again. So Catherine is an advocacy person. She's an activist. She's an artist. And she used handmade imagery incredibly powerfully um, and put together a group of people to form a contingent. And not only did you participate in a national protest in October, October 25th, you got in your car and drove into D.C. to stand outside the Supreme Court. And when we last spoke, we kind of left off in a cliffhanger moment. <laughs> You're there at the Supreme Court. And you were saying that other, other people also wearing handmade outfits joined that day do you know where those people came from and like roughly how many there were and what did it look like my sisters and i who had participated in the rally protests were still so energized from that and also upset at the rushed confirmation news that there was already three of us when we started and i feel like anything more than two already gets people looking and so we had planned with two other activists. One was located in California with a very large social media network on different networks. And the other one was boots on the ground already in DC, kind of saying, hey, when you get here, go to this metro station, get off here. This is where the action is. This is where the voting, this is where the news people are. So we were already making plans for the five hour drive up there. So that being said, our goal before we got out of the car, our goal was already to capture something dramatic to share on social media and to get people to know that we are here so that they'll put on their clothes and they'll come here. There was already a rally planned by the D.C., I think it was Occupied Democrats or some other organization that also uses the red cloak at some of their protests. They had already planned to show up, but they did come a little bit earlier because there was already such a crowd of us. Additionally, we also brought backpacks stuffed with costumes. Like we just grabbed whatever we could from the Raleigh protest, got our cards and left. So we were giving out costumes and cloaks to people who just wanted to stand with us. And then also there was one woman, and I can't remember her name, but she's also on the National Red Cloaks Facebook page. All she did was stand completely silent and just let them yell at her. So Every so often we would come and kind of distract some of the people that were getting super intense on her and take some of the focus off. So I guess the shorter answer is that in the beginning, there was about four of us. By the end of the day at around 5 p.m., there was at least 18 to 20 of us all in clothes. So it was powerful to see, but it was upsetting to see how much it didn't stop the opposition and they were still just as angry. How many of them do you feel like there were that day, roughly? I guess it's like a, a ratio would be better to describe it. For every one of us, there's three to four of them, I would say. Like, that's the best way to describe it. So there, there are three to four times a larger crowd than the Red Cloaks or even people not in costume who agreed with us were. So it was intimidating. We were extremely outnumbered. But I still feel like this is me being that person, but I'm going to do it. The journalists were literally shouldering them out of the way to take pictures of us and to get our signs and to get our message because we see crazy all day. They wanted to see the history that was happening, which was people who were trying to make you know their voice heard and stand up against something that everybody knows, even the people who voted on it knew it was wrong. So that's what that was like. <laughs> Really powerful day. You bring out an interesting contrast with a handmaid who was there silently and with handmaids who were speaking. And I know, you know, the national scene, there's a whole bunch of discussion about that. Um, I think both are really valuable. And I'm very interested in knowing in your choice to use your voice 
you know, what kinds of things you were communicating? That particular day, I can't even tell you, honestly, all the different things that I said. I'm sure at some points they're probably not even safe to air on anything that's going to be for public consumption because I was just so angry at the literal nonsense that was being spouted at us. But in general, it was mostly just about being louder. And in terms of the overall concept of when to be silent, when to not be silent and, and things such as that, there's definitely is a time and a place for both. But my general consensus on it the whole time for me personally, because it is a personal thing. When you put on that cloak, like it's really an oppressive costume. You feel like the weight of it when you put it on. That is enough for me. I don't need to oppress this too. Like I already got the outfit on. It's coming out because the outfit is to get people to look. And then now I have to get people to listen. Now that they see me, can you hear me? That's my take on it. And that's my role that I play. But at the same time, if everybody did that, it would be uncoordinated. That's why I need other people in red cloaks who are just chilling with the signs. Even if it's just because they don't feel comfortable shouting, I will shout for you. It's fine. <laughs> I was I was thinking, Catherine was saying that she was shouting I'm very outspoken. Uh, sometimes it's difficult for me not to do it in Spanish because it's my first language. And the thing is, if I shout in Spanish, I know I will get people just to shut up because they are not understanding. But everybody would tell me, no, we are silent. The handmaidens are silent. So uh, it made me kind of think that, okay, I should have gone to Raleigh so I would be able to talk because on the protest I was telling you, everybody is saying, we have to be silent. Don't engage. That was the word. Don't engage. And then you tell me something. I am the first one to go like, oh, they told you not to engage. Okay. Yes, I'm sorry. And they would go like, okay, to engage, we stay silent, but it's difficult. It definitely is challenging at times, but I guess I just never felt the need to be quiet. We talked about that, you know, as a group for our state from the get-go. I mean, we all decided that, yes, we understand that in the show and in the book, they were expected to be seen and not heard. But what we're trying to say is that's not going to happen. So like I had mentioned, like for us, the costume was enough because my, I, my thought process about it was that it's about the dramatic imagery of it and that was enough to get people to look so I felt like if we were just quiet then that was only half the puzzle we had to get them to hear us and that was where both the coordinated signs and some of the shouting we didn't do it in Raleigh we didn't do it in Charlotte protests but in DC that was the shouting was necessary <laughs> was so, that your first time going up to DC for a protest no I have gone too many times to count honestly I probably know my way around that city better than the city I just moved to. <laughs> I think it's interesting to think what felt different to you about the presence of handmaids. What do you think the imagery communicated that other protests maybe communicate differently or don't communicate? The costumes for me when I was in D.C., especially at the most recent Women's March on Washington, was that if she takes that bonnet off, I don't know who she is from the next lady out here. But when she's wearing that costume, I know that she's got my back and she feels the way that I do enough to put this thing on today and know what it means. Um, and so in a way, it's, I want to say sisterhood, even though that's not the most inclusive term, but that's the thing that comes to mind. The costume um, means to me 
And that's what it felt like when I saw it outside of my group of women that, you know, it's the whole movement, it's the whole thing. Like it was national. That happened in almost every state in the nation, if not all of them, I'm not sure. Now, you kept your cloak out. I don't think you had time to really like necessarily, you know, launder and iron it because you then participated on a really historic election day. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about how you navigated, because there were different states with different views about the handmade imagery on, a, on, you know, on election day. And every state's different. Right. It was definitely an electrified decision. It was a controversial decision amongst the group. People were like, no, it's not safe or it's not the right imagery for people who don't understand. And I was like, well. I guess they'll go home and Google it then. And then they'll have done one step further than we hope. My thought process on it was do something, even if it's wrong, because I have been through so many different movements, if you will, where everybody's so excited about the main event. Then when it's over, oh, they're done. They moved on. It's over now. But it was far from over. It's still far from over. And I've always had an issue keeping the momentum going. And I just felt like we had to be there. And for a lot of these women dressing up in a costume and going out there and putting yourself out there is kind of a part of it for them. If I remove the red cloak element and still try to go and show up somewhere with signs, it's not the same feel. And I was having a really hard time getting people to commit to go. So I kept on resorting back to the, we, we just got to do it. And we finally made the decision as a group, did the diplomatic thing. I got everybody together in our group chat when as many people could be there as possible. And I said, look, this is what people are saying totally understand where they're coming from is that enough to make you want to stay home and we got an almost unanimous absolutely not so we for north carolina did it because our constituents who cared enough to participate in this wanted to go out there and do it we chose charlotte because a lot of our women from the raleigh protest that had occurred previously obviously had to drive a long way to get there so we decided we would flip it and go to them and all we really did was just make ourselves visible again and encourage the people who saw us that day to just share it on social media to remind other people in their own individual circle, you know, just to go vote. It wasn't even necessarily motivated towards any one goal other than to get people to remember, even if they were going to vote, you know, for Trump or whoever, just to go and vote because this is very important and everybody's opinion needs to be in there so we can count it. That was our goal. And we just felt like we needed to get people to share us on social media since all people do all day is look at their phones. We needed to be one of the things on their phones. And that was really the whole thought process behind doing it on election day in the dramatic costume. And who was up for election in your state besides the president? You have some, you have some nationally recognized um, names for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, um, North Carolina really likes being the best at being not the best. That's <laughs> what I like to say. So um, we had Tom Tillis, who was up for re-election, and unfortunately, he did win. But the silver lining is that were it not for the major career ruining snafu that the Democratic candidate that was running against him made, things might have been different if you look at the voting stats. Um, but we definitely called him out like a lot on social media and on our signs, which in retrospect, I guess you could say it's a little embarrassing because we called him out and then, you know, it didn't go our way. But at the same time, is also hilarious because on social media, that kind of, I want to say trash talking really gets people going. And there were people invested in what was happening because of my beef with Tom Tillis. And to me, I'm like, I don't even care if you think I look stupid now because you did not know who that man was until yesterday. And now you know who your representative is because I called him out. 
Um, and so that's, that's how I feel about it now. I was pretty devastated that we lost that, you know, that battle, but looking back now in the grand scheme of things, I'll take my, you know, trifecta majority as a consolation prize. <laughs> yeah. We can all, we can all enjoy this moment yes. for, 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 you know, keep fighting. It's just, it's, I'm sorry. It's just, it's really great. Catherine talking to you. It's like incredibly great. So election day, when you had out the handmade outfits, what kind of reception did you get? Do you find that people recognize handmaids and understand what it is? Or do you think people didn't understand what the imagery was? I really don't like breaking things down like this because of the connotations you could take from it. But this is what happened. Okay, we were in Charlotte. Charlotte is an extremely gentrified city still to where you can be walking in one neighborhood and it's high rises and shops that you can't afford to breathe the air inside of. And then one street over, you know, things start getting a little suspect. You know, you can tell there's definite you know, difference in property value. So at one point we were walking on our way. We were on our route. We had taken a specific safe route that I'd plotted out on Google Maps, but it happened to go by a bus stop where there was, you know, a lower income demographic of people from all walks of life. And they were really confused. Like you could just tell, they were like, what is happening right now? But they read our signs and they definitely took pictures and they probably posted on social media. So maybe some of that demographic now understands that didn't previously, or they're still confused. Either way, I can't really help that. But once we got onto more of the um, sort of downtown political and museum district side of Charlotte, there was a lot of happy honks and thumbs up. I don't remember more than a couple middle fingers, which is like pretty good. Okay, middle finger to thumbs up ratio was pretty good, which was really uplifting for me on that day because even though I was staying stoic for my group of women saying, oh, we got this, like, don't even worry about it. Even if we don't get Tom, like we're getting the presidency. Like that's hands down, like just promise, promise this is happening. And so when I was seeing those numbers come in later that night, I was like, those um, mail-in votes have better show up soon because- this is nerve wracking, but just seeing that in my red state, you know, the ratio of people who were happy to see us and saying, Hey, good job. Like, thanks for being here versus the people who were upset. I guess that was good foreshadowing. It was uplifting for me that my personal interpretation of the stats was in my favor at that time. <laughs> so flashing forward um, to 2021 and then a couple big picture questions. When you look at what happened on January 6th, and I'm thinking about how you described what it was like at the protest outside the Supreme Court and the kind of anger, the people who were up close, not wearing masks, getting literally spittle in your face. Um, and when you saw the January 6th insurrection, I would love to know what thoughts crossed your mind as you put it, what is America right now? As someone who's been a handmaid and you're watching that happening and you've just really recently been in D.C. at a protest, what thoughts went through your mind? The honest to God first thought that I had outside of the is everybody okay question, which unfortunately we now know they are not all okay, was that's the final nail in their coffin now. Anybody who still supports that, like <laughs> you better start doing some serious backpedaling because you need to get out of town. Like it's not a good look. And I don't want to say by any way, shape or form that I was relieved in the literal destruction of democracy that we saw that day. But I was glad that everybody saw it and it can no longer be denied that these people are destructive terrorists physically and ethically. 
They are invading not just our physical government, but our minds, the way that we think about things, the way that we talk about things. And I'm just outside of the initial shock and all of like, wow, they really did this. And not only did they do this, but they talked about doing this and nobody did anything to stop them. Outside of that, I was honestly like one of my first like second reactions was, well, I guess no one can deny it now. And I hate to look at it that way because it shows that even I'm getting desensitized to literal violence. But that's America, isn't it? Also that, like you said, nobody's doing anything. We keep on hearing all the outrageous things they did, but also all the outrageous reactions of the government, of all the Republicans that keep on saying that it was okay. I, I just don't do not understand what is happening, really. They don't think how the rest of the world is seeing you because everybody is is watching and they don't they don't care anymore. They're outrageous, they're crazy, and they don't care. And then you've got your senators, you know, accepting it. But on a happier note, the presidency did turn. So it brings us up to where we are now, where we've got the first hundred days of Biden and his administration taking a different look at, you know, reproductive justice. And the ERA just passed in the House, the idea to move forward with an amendment that would put women in the Constitution. So I'm wondering what bright spots do you see now and what issues do you feel like are still worth potentially putting on the handmade outfit again? There's lots of bright spots. It's hard to just pick one. Um, But I would have to say that the best, brightest thing that could have happened is just knowing that just bam right out of the presidency as soon as she got inaugurated in her role as vice president. We have the most powerful (laughs) vice president in history and she's a woman. And that's just my ultimate, I almost can't even handle it excitement moment that being said there are still many 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 things that i'm extremely concerned about and the number one thing that i would continue putting any outfit on just about for is healthcare reform just because of how closely it should tie into also you know your right to choose and abortion access and you know, just pregnancy planning access at all. It should be a part of what's offered to us just because it's a part of healthcare and it should be accessible. And right now it's really not. And the thing that concerns me kind of in a nutshell is that the Biden-Harris administration got handed just a crumpled ball of trash and they're still trying to sort through it. And they're so busy with putting out the immediate fires that they can't handle the smolders right now. They just can't. And it's hard for me to not blame them because I was like, oh my God, you have everything you need. Go now, like do all the things. But the coronavirus alone, the the mishandling of that, they're just so busy and it almost feels like they did it on purpose, but that would just be too intelligent to assume for them to have orchestrated that. So it's just, I'm just worried that they have so much to undo that there won't be but so much they can do if that makes sense. It does. And we will be side by side watching with you on social media, following you, (laughs) keeping an eye out for where you decide to put your creative energy because it's really exciting to see. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you just so much for spending time with us and for being out there. 
Well, thank you for having me. And also, you know, as my thanks to both of you, I just wanted to say how extremely excited I was to hear that everything was still active where you are, because it's definitely died down from an activism standpoint here. A lot of people think that we're done um, because we won. No, we want a seat at the table. We didn't get a voice at it yet. So don't put your cloaks up yet, honey bun. We still got some work to do. So I was thrilled when I found out that you were even doing this because it gave me some hope that like people are still, people still care about this. Like, oh, it kind of makes me want to try to get some more people to like, hey, maybe we should be looking at at what's happening here. So thank you for just- The fight is never over because they're trying to overturn everything that- that has been done. So don't put up your clothes. Don't put them in <laughs> at the end of the closet. No, put it do down not. at the beginning. At the beginning. Yeah. That's where I have mine. I look at I look at it. As soon as I open my closet door, I see it hanging there. And it just reminds me that, you know, everything that I can do now as a woman that maybe my mom or my grandmother couldn't do. It's just a reminder. So, but thank you so much for having me. Seriously, I really had a good time. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to talk to you. You've been listening to Red Cloaks Radio, a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Find us at bostonredcloaks.com and have a great day.